Self-reliance has been praised as one of the greatest American virtues. In fact, it's become part and parcel of who we are. This philosophical and practical ideal is part of just how we live in this world. In fact, uh, it, this self-reliance or it being such a great virtue led a blogger that I read this past week. And now, make of this what you will. It's just a random blogger on the internet. But I found what he said to be quite, uh, quite true. That self-reliance, if you are an American, is coursing through your veins and part of your DNA. In fact, self-reliance and American have become synonymous with each other. And if, even if you don't wholeheartedly agree with what that blogger was saying, I think you can see some of the truth in what he's saying, can't you? Right, self-reliance is something that we teach to our children um, and the importance of being able to solve a problem on their own. Self-reliance is what causes us to love stories about those men and women who come from nothing and by their own grit and determination and work ethic are able to build these companies that later become these billion-dollar entities. Self-reliance has given rise to the love of DIY, hasn't it? Because instead of uh, calling some expert to fix it, you watch a few YouTube videos, and you pull yourself up by the bootstraps with a few tools, and you go and fix some problem. Right? This philosophical ideal, which is part of American culture and part and parcel of who we are, I think is good in so many ways. But like every other philosophical ideal, it's got its pitfalls. Self-reliance can be isolating, uh, especially when you are isolating yourself from the very people who could help you solve a problem. Um, Self-reliance can be frustrating when you set out to fix some sort of problem or deal with a problem, and then in the end you realize, I guess I can't really do it on my own because I'm not X, Y, and Z. It can also be dangerous. Self-reliance can be physically dangerous, like when you're trying to fix an electrical problem that you really have no business touching. I'm speaking from experience here. You get electrocuted or you get shocked. Um, but it can be emotionally and mentally dangerous, too, as you, in self-reliance, isolate yourself from other people. But these are just worldly problems that self-reliance brings. And for the Christian, self-reliance, it brings a deeper level of problems when it bleeds into our spiritual life. And because self-reliance is part and parcel of who we are as Americans, it's kind of built into our DNA, it's only natural and even understandable after we've been told for so many years that you can do anything as long as you put your mind to it and as long as you have enough work, enough work ethic and tenacity, it's only natural and understandable that that does become part of our relationship with Jesus and in our spiritual walk, in our daily walk that God calls us to have. Now, because I have taken most, uh, actually close to all of you, through a faith builders class, I confidently know that you all understand this, at least in part. That you cannot, by your own thinking or choosing, come to believe in Jesus. You cannot make yourself right with God. You cannot, by what you do, whether through work ethic or tenacity or grit, solidify your spot in heaven. These are all things that must be done for you, given to you, worked in you by God through Jesus. And in an act of arrow pointing down love, God the Father has connected you to his Son through faith and given you all of these things. And what a marvelous gift that is. These are truths with which most of you are familiar. 
But the longer that you know these truths, the more that you and I tend to take them for granted. And when you begin to take these deep truths of God for granted, you begin to mix theology and philosophy, or in this case, theology and this philosophical ideal of self-reliance. It's a natural bridge to think that when it comes to my relationship with Jesus and what Jesus calls me to do, that I can do it on my own, that I can, by my work ethic, by my tenacity and my grit, bear the fruit that Jesus calls me to bear in this life. And this is an issue. And it's the exact issue that Jesus takes up in John chapter 15 when he makes this comparison between those who are self-reliant and those who rely on Jesus. In the opening verses of John chapter 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. He cuts off every branch in me that does not bear fruit. A branch cannot bear fruit unless it is connected to the vine, and neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Now, did you catch, and it's subtle, but did you catch who Jesus is addressing with these words? He's not addressing people who are living in blatant unbelief. He's addressing believers. Listen to that middle part one more time. The Father cuts off every branch in me, in Jesus, that does not bear fruit. Jesus is addressing believers who have a connection with Jesus, who are connected with the vine. But he's addressing a specific subset of believers, isn't he? He's addressing those that don't bear fruit. He's addressing those who have begun to become self-reliant in their work and in their relationship with Jesus. Now, why in all of the world would that happen? Why would somebody who has a connection with Jesus, in other words, has faith in Jesus, become self-reliant? Why would they begin to rely on themselves to to bear fruit in this world? Now, I guess maybe a a little bit of um, explanation. Bearing fruit, it's talking about anything that you do in this life because you are connected to Jesus and motivated by his love. Right. Why does that happen when that people become self-reliant? Well, I think first it's natural. It's a natural tendency for human beings to think that we can, or at least we should, be able to do something when it comes to bearing fruit. That maybe the responsibility even, even is on us. You become self-reliant when you think that I can, on my own, bear the fruit that Jesus is calling me to bear by my own grit and tenacity and work ethic. And if, if this is how you are thinking, then you'll begin to think or begin to understand that if you're the one who is bearing fruit by your own strength and tenacity and work ethic, well, then you can bear whatever kind of fruit that you want and bear, bear it whenever you want. As if a branch bearing fruit can turn it off. But remember what Jesus says. He says, no one can bear fruit unless they remain in me. And so even if you are self-reliant and think that you are bearing fruit, Jesus' point is, you're not really bearing fruit at all. And then what happens to a fruit or to a branch that is not bearing any fruit? Jesus is pretty clear, isn't he? My father cuts off any branch in me that does not bear fruit. Now, it's natural at this point to maybe be wondering, am I a branch that is in Jesus that isn't bearing any fruit? Am I a branch who is in danger of being cut off? 
Am I a branch who has become very self-reliant in my relationship with Jesus and the life he calls me to live, or am I a branch that does rely on Jesus? Well, if that is something you are fearing, I want you to know that Jesus does address and assuage that fear in our gospel this morning. But before we get to the way he addresses it, I want you to remember the context in which these words from John chapter 15 are spoken. John chapter 15 takes place on the night when Jesus is betrayed, so on Holy Thursday. And at this point, Judas, the betrayer, has already left the group, Jesus and the 11 other disciples, and has gone off to find the Pharisees so that he can hand Jesus over to them. So in John chapter 15, Jesus is not speaking with the whole group, but he's only speaking with the 11 who remained connected to him in faith. Jesus is, uh, when he says, my, my father cuts off any branch that does not bear fruit, I have no doubt that the disciples called to mind the branch that was just cut off. They have, I have no doubt that they're thinking of Judas, who is later tossed into the fire and burned, uh, as far as Jesus talks about it later in, the, in this account. So after Jesus finishes that discourse about the branch being cut off, he then turns to his disciples with this beautiful discourse about who they are and what they are to do. He says, I am the vine and you, you are the branches. You have already been pruned. I am the vine and you are the branches. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Remain in me and you will bear much fruit. Remain in me and my words in you and you will bear fruit. And by bearing fruit, the whole world will know that you are my disciples. To the glory of God the Father. Right here in, that, in this text, Jesus is quashing this notion that comes so naturally to us, this notion of self-reliance. But he's not just quashing the notion of self-reliance. What he is also doing is showing the blessings and the benefits of relying on Jesus, not the least of which is assuaging the fear of wondering whether or not you are a branch who is going to be cut off by the Father. Because when that is something that you fear, Jesus would have you remember this truth. That from eternity, the Father, who is the vine dresser, the Father knew those who would be grafted to the true vine, his Son. From eternity, God knew those who would be branches who would bear fruit. That's all of you. God knew you from eternity and knew that this is who you would be. So he worked through time and space to ensure that a connection was made for you to the true vine with the end goal that you be one who bears fruit. Now take a moment and backtrack with me and understand how all of this works. The way that you are connected to the true vine is through what? It's through faith. God makes or plants faith in your heart through what? His word. God is the one who plants that faith in your heart. This is not a decision made out of self-reliance. God makes that connection to Jesus for you. It is not a decision that you make out of self-reliance. And from the moment that God connects you to the true vine, he is connecting you to the very source of life and forgiveness itself. In the very beginning of his gospel, the Apostle John says this, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The word became flesh. God took on flesh and blood and God dwelled among his people. And throughout his entire ministry, even on the night he was betrayed, 
Jesus was unfolding that promise for his people, God dwelling with his people. And on this night, the night he was betrayed, Jesus is, is doing something very explicit. He's preparing his disciples for his death. But it's more than that too, isn't it? Isn't he also preparing them for his life? For his resurrected life? He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. And when he says that, he is making you, making his disciples a promise that God is going to dwell with them long past the time when he leaves from their sight. He is making them the promise that the things he came to do in this world are going to continue to be theirs. I am the vine, you are the branches, he says. God took on flesh and blood so that by his flesh and blood, he would win for you forgiveness and peace with God. And this is the thing, the blessing that God gives you in being connected to the true vine. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. But there is more to this connection that Jesus talks about when he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Because God, the Son, did not just come into this world to dwell with his people. He came to dwell in his people. Remain in me and I in you and you will bear much fruit. Remain in me. This is Jesus dwelling in you. And he wants you to understand and realize that he didn't just come into this world to give you life after death, though that is certainly a blessing that we anxiously await. He came to give you life right now so that you, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what is going on in your life, when you are connected to the vine, you have the forgiveness of sins right now. You have peace right now. You have life to the full right now. And all of this is because you are connected to the vine and not only does Christ dwell with you, but he dwells in you. And so when God dwells with you and in you, he speaks to you in grace and he welcomes you into his kingdom. And he forgives you. He gives you life. He gives you life and he means for that life to have an effect on every other aspect of your life. He says, remain in me and I in you and you will bear fruit. What kind of fruit is Jesus talking about? What exactly does he want our lives to look like as someone who is connected to the vine? Well, bearing fruit is anything that you do, as I explained in the children's sermon, anything you do because Christ is dwelling in you, because Jesus loves you and because you are loved by him. Fruit is the visible evidence of Christ dwelling in you. Fruit is the visible evidence of the transformational power of the gospel that has turned your heart 180 degrees. And it's, it's easy to overthink this, if I'm being honest, because I do this too. What kind of fruit does Jesus want me to do? What exactly do I have to do in every aspect of my life? How does this all work out? It's way easier than that. It's, it really is. And Jesus says, you don't have to overthink this. If you remain in me, you will bear fruit. You will. And it's not the big flashy stuff you do. It's not, the, it's not the stuff that you do to garner praise and recognition from other people. It's all the simple, really small stuff that you do in your day-to-day life because Christ is dwelling in you. So bearing fruit, it looks like, it looks like grabbing your wife at the end of a, a really long day when she's almost at the brink of tears and giving her a hug and saying, I love you. And everything will be okay. How can I help? It's that easy. 
bearing fruit looks like taking your daughters to dance class or voice lessons so that they can grow in their God-given gifts and put them on display for other people. Bearing fruit in this life looks like going to that friend who left deep scars in your heart because of the things that they have done to you and telling them that they are loved and that they are forgiven. Even if they seem like the most unlovable and unforgivable person in this world. Bearing fruit in this life looks like it looks like carving time or even setting aside your busy and packed schedule to sit with a suffering friend because they simply need a shoulder to cry on and a hand to hold. Bearing fruit, it looks like treating your bosses and your coworkers with the utmost respect in spite of how they talk about you and talk to you and treat you. It's not hard. Bearing fruit comes naturally to the one who is connected to Jesus. He promises that you'll do it. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear fruit. Now, if you're like me, who does tend to overthink things and you kind of want more guidance for how this works, this is kind of why the John 15 text just keeps getting better and better the further you go along. Because at that very moment that you're wondering, Jesus, what in all the world does this look like? And where do I find guidance for this? He gives it to you. Doesn't he? If you remain in me and my words in you, you will bear fruit. Right there. That's all you need. All you need is the word of God. Can't get any simpler than that. If you want to understand what bearing fruit in this life looks like, you won't find it in, in a book like 10 Steps to Being a Better Christian or A Life Well Lived or any other New York Times best-selling self-help book. The place where you find it is in the word of God. If you remain in me and my words in you, you will bear fruit. Keep the word of God on your heart. Because when you keep the word of God on your heart, not only do you remain connected to Jesus, but then you will also bear fruit. This is a promise that your Savior makes to you and a promise your Savior keeps for you. Now, because we recognize who we are, that we are sinner saints, we are a people who struggle with our sinful nature, that sinful nature who places ourselves above God and thinks of ourselves and the things we can do more highly than Jesus, well, it means that when we are connected to the vine, we won't always produce the fruit that Jesus calls us to produce. But it's for that reason that Jesus says uh, what his father does for us. He says, my father is the vine dresser and every branch in me that does produce fruit, he prunes so that it becomes more fruitful. Now in my, back, my parents' backyard or in their side yard, they have these two massive pear trees. Here's the pear thing I was talking about. They have these two massive pear trees. And uh, every winter, I remember this vividly as a kid, every winter my mom would get out the stepladder and these big pruning loppers, I don't even know if that's what they're called, but that's the only thing I know how to call them. Those big things that look like scissors you cut things out of trees with. Um, she would take these pruning loppers and climb up into the tree and begin to cut branches away. When I was a kid, I had, no real, I had no idea what she was doing, and so I interrupted their camping vacation this past week and asked her to explain what it is that she was cutting off. And she explained this to me, that on those pear trees, she was cutting off these things called water shoots, these useless branches that suck nutrients away from the fruit and keep them from producing the kind of fruit and the quality of fruit that they should. So by the time that my mom was finished cutting off all of these water shoots, you'd look down at the ground, and it was just littered littered with branches, almost so much so that you couldn't see the grass or 
I suppose the dead grass that was underneath in winter in Michigan. Couldn't see any of that. And then you'd look up at the pear tree and it looked totally decimated. It looked as if it had gone through a disaster. But this pruning process, no matter how disastrous and painful it looked, was incredibly important. Because had my mom not gone through the effort to cut down or cut off all of those water shoots, that pear tree would not have produced fruit. And hypothetically, if you'd let those water shoots, those useless nutrient-sucking branches grow long enough, well, then after a while, that, that tree won't produce any pears, any fruit. That pruning process is incredibly necessary so that the tree produces fruit. Here's a reality for you and me. That because of who we are, we are branches connected to the vine. Jesus promises that you will bear fruit. But because we also bear that reality of being a sinner saint, a people who struggle with our sinful nature, it means that there are things in our lives that need to be pruned. Nutrient-sucking branches from our sinful nature that need to be cut off. Things like self-reliance and thinking that we can do it all on our own. That needs to be pruned, needs to be cut off. And Jesus says this, he says, You have already been pruned because of the words I have spoken to you. The thing that God uses to prune you is not some big pruning loppers or a bow saw. It is the word of God. And from the moment that God came to you through water and the word in baptism, what he did was plant a new man in your heart because he had pruned away all of the nutrient-sucking water shoots of your sinful nature. And when he planted that new man, that faith in your heart, he planted a man who is deeply rooted, that is grafted to the vine, that is Jesus. And it is a new man that will produce fruit. Jesus says, you are already pruned. But because of who we are, we need to be pruned every single day. God needs to come to us in his law and prune all of those nutrient-sucking branches our sinful nature likes to sprout up from time to time. He needs to do this with his law to show us how foolish and life-sucking those things really are. Then after he has cut off all of those branches, he feeds us with the nutrients of his gospel to help us grow and help us to produce fruit. What a beautiful process that is. God takes care of the whole thing. Now granted, this pruning process can look painful. It can even look disastrous. But it has a purpose. The purpose is to bring you through this pruning process into a closer relationship with Jesus. When you are connected to the vine, Jesus promises that you will bear fruit. And throughout your life, God prunes you so that you become more fruitful. And the more fruit that you produce, the more people see, see that you are really a disciple of Jesus. And all of this happens to the glory of God the Father. Now, a friend of mine told me uh, about a man who was a member in his congregation. He was married, had a couple kids, he had the job, he had the house. I mean, he had pretty much everything you could ever want or need. But then came the divorce. And my friend described it as the ugliest divorce that he has seen in 15 years of ministry. Just terrible. And uh, after the divorce, he got his kids only on the weekends. Now, prior to the divorce, he would uh, take his, on Sunday, he would take his kids to sporting events. That is what was most important to him. But after the divorce, and when he gets the kids on Sundays, he brings them to church. After the divorce, Jesus and the church 
hold a lot more importance in his lives because or in his life because as he was going through that divorce, he watched everything that he had built, built in his marriage, built in his life, through his own strength and resilience and grit and tenacity, his self-reliance, he watched it all crumble and fall to the ground like those water shoots cut down off of a tree. And he said this uh, about his own situation. He said, when everything hit rock bottom and all of my strength was gone, the only thing, the only one that was left was Jesus. Everything else had failed me, but not the one to whom I'm connected. Now I build my life on Jesus. Through that incredibly painful process, that disaster that had become his life, there was the father pruning him, ensuring that he would have a closer relationship with Jesus so that Jesus might bear fruit in his life for everyone to see, including including his children. No matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what is going on in your life, I want you to trust in this. That God has grafted you to his son, the true vine. He has connected you to him through faith. And because you are connected to Jesus, you will bear fruit. That is a promise that your Savior makes you. And God will work on you throughout the entirety of your life, pruning you so that you become even more fruitful, both for his glory and so that people know that you are his disciples. Jesus is the true vine. And all of you, you're his branches. Friends, rely, rely on him alone. Amen.